You're listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio with your host, PGA professional Brendan Elliott and the Little Linksers crew. Yes, Love of the Links, episode seven. We got seven in the tank. We're putting seven in the tank right now. I'm with Jordan Lashoons. What's going on, everybody? And once again, Gary Attilio making Hello, a guest folks. appearance. Welcome. So uh, this is the podcast for the week of February, whatever it is, 11th. Uh, lots going on in the golf world. They haven't quite finished the event in Pebble Beach. Phil and Paul Casey. Have oh, got, it's over. Well, yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> over. Phil's up, what, three? Phil's up three, playing great yesterday. Two holes to go. On fire. And they, they tee off, what, in 20 minutes from the time we're recording today on Monday? Yep. Um, so Phil's probably going to get his fifth win at Pebble Beach. Let's start with that. Maybe not the Phil topic, but the topic of the calamity that was the end of the tournament last night. Well, it was, it was actually a very good fitting to, uh, ending to a very eventful day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the images of the hail on the greens, <laughs> kind of surreal. I don't know if you saw the <clears throat> picture of some of the greenskeepers trying to shovel it mm-hmm. off. Um, and, you know, that was just a, it was a nature thing. It's nothing you could do, especially that, that part of the country, San Francisco, the weather comes in and out. Yeah. Um, and I just think towards that end of the day, Phil was so hot, and he just didn't want to stop, and he just wanted to put it away, and Casey being tied for second and having the amateur pro-am uh, lead, he had a little more caution to it, and he wasn't playing that great, so he wanted to see if he can come back another day. So we, obviously none of us in this room which is the river room here at uh, Wakaiva Golf Club. Beautiful. H- have never been a p- in a position like that, but what would you do? I'll start with you, Jordan. What would you do? Two holes to play, darkness upon you. Like Gary just said, I mean, it, it's a tale of two different stories. It, mm-hmm. it really depends on how you're playing that day. If you're in Phil's shoes and you're feeling it, you're feeling good, you're on fire, and you're, you're feeling like... Let me just get off the tee box. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to do my best to tee off and ride that mojo. But if you're Casey and you're kind of not playing so well, maybe you want to kind of pack it up and come back tomorrow and see if you can't really get back your thoughts overnight and just come back out and finish those last two holes strong. Yeah, and ultimately the decision's not really in your hands as the player. I mean, well, it's in every player's hands. Well, Meaning the, the tour, was, the tour is gonna. Well, but the player can decide. If the player decides it's too dark, um, he can stop playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were at. They're certainly for the last hole or so. The officials were talking to both players, asking them what they want to do, getting their thoughts and feelings. Uh, listening to the broadcast, I thought there was a couple things. Cernick pointed out what you just addressed, Jordan, is uh, you know two different players playing different things at different points of the tournament. Uh, but I also thought that one of the strategies was kind of interesting was going into 17, being a par 3, these players could basically sit on the range for an hour right now and hit that tee shot over and over at the range mm-hmm. and then go to 17. And you know now you've got your practice, and that's really kind of the biggest shot, I guess, of your last two holes, mm-hmm. which maybe that's what Casey was thinking is, hey, if I can stick a good tee shot in there, um, could be the difference between second, third, or... Yeah, and I, I I read a quote this morning that Phil Phil had. Uh, Phil's great for a lot of quotes, but um, good, bad, or indifferent. But he had said, I, I un, something to the effect that I understand Paul's point that we get to come out on freshly cut greens, and 
Obviously, we all know pebble beach being the type of grass on the greens, they get chewed up pretty quickly. Um, so, well, especially with the weather yesterday, too, yeah, that yeah. contributed as well. So, I mean, it's an interesting scenario. I, the thing, I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of the final round, just bits and pieces, but I was looking at the leaderboard going, why are these guys two holes behind? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Obviously, it's the PGA Tour, and pace of play is always a hot-button issue, and these guys are playing for millions of dollars, so it's a different scenario all the way around. But they were they finished 16, and they were on the tee on 17, correct? Correct. And when they were on 16, and they were <clears throat> discussing if they were going to continue or not, the announcers even mentioned, that group has already cleared 17. They're already on the 18th. Mm-hmm. T box. So if these guys finish 16 quickly, they there's nothing stopping them from teeing off on 17. As yeah, somebody in front of them. That's an intimidating tee shot for anybody. Have you been out there? Oh, you played a lot of places. I did you? not play. I've not played Pebble Beach. No. I had a temporary trip once, and we never pulled it off. That's an intimidating tee shot, though. Yeah, I watched Bill Murray, who's supposed to be this great golfer, yank <laughs> one into the side of a cliff the other day, <laughs> oh, and everybody Bill. clapped. Well, it's Bill Murray. They're going to clap no matter what. <laughs> exactly. Off topic, speaking of Bill Murray, I watched the greatest thing on Netflix the other day about Bill Murray, about how he just shows up randomly at, like, people's house parties yes. and stuff. That guy is the man. Yep. You've got all, and, and his cameo in Zombieland was one of the best cameos. I was just going to say, you sound like Woody Harrelson in Zombieland, <laughs> freaking out about Bill Murray. Bill freaking Murray. <laughs> yeah, it's always a cool event. You notice I was, uh, I actually did a podcast solo on Friday for the, for last week and I was talking a little bit about Pebble Beach and the uniqueness of of the event this year is not only is it having their normal year year to year event but they're also hosting the US Open this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the course is going to be night and day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be totally different. Well, I I've been I don't know how much <clears throat> you can do in right. 3 or 4 months whatever it is. Uh, they did mention that the, the width of the fairways had been narrowed yesterday, you know, in anticipation of the Open. Uh, and then even there was one point, somebody was hitting a shot out of a rough, and they said something about, oh, he doesn't have the best of lies, and one of the announcers quipped, well, just wait three months from now, <laughs> and you'll really mm-hmm. see what a bad lie is. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't know in the history of the game how often something like that happens. Play the same course yeah. twice in one year. That's what I was. That's surprised. what I was kind of just thinking. Yeah. Getting yeah. a warm up round for a major. Right. Basically. Right. Well, I, I mean, I guess that tournament, this pro am, they they do play the different courses. There's Spyglass, Spanish Bay, whatever. So they kind of rotate around. It's not just on the Pebble course, but you're right, and you would think, and usually. Uh, the U.S. Open USGA shuts down the course for a number of months before. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if it's going dark now for the next bunch of months. You'd have to think that it is. But you know, then to to your point, you know, you can't you can't play it twice in one year because a lot of times it's shut down for three four months before and sometimes even after. That would have been a good argument out. for Phil last night to say we can't play tomorrow because USGA is shutting the course. Yeah, down. well, <laughs> if that was happening. Well, the one thing that they did not mention <clears throat> yesterday was what the weather would be like this morning and again for that part of the country the weather is very uh, fluid um, you know as we mm-hmm. saw yesterday it can change weather. so I don't even know if they were considering that what the weather would be like in the morning it was supposed to be very cold yesterday um, <clears throat> don't know if it was going to warm up this morning or if they were expecting breeze or any other precipitation mm-hmm. um, but that was something that was never mentioned so the assumption I guess would be that it would be fine this morning 
But all in all, it looks like that Phil Mickelson's going to get his fifth win at the AT&T Pebble Beach National Prom. That's pretty cool. And, it, it you know, I, I had told Jordan on a previous episode that Phil was starting to grow on me. I've never been a huge Phil fan. Did I ever tell you the Phil, my Phil story? Mm, I'm sure you probably have, but are we going to hear it again? Yes, you are going to hear it again. So in high school, when he was at Arizona, was he Arizona, State? Arizona State, when he was at Arizona State, I wrote him a letter. He wrote me back. Nice. I got into an argument with my father about golf, something about golf, my attitude on the course or something. And I took the letter that was on the wall from Phil Mickelson, handwritten, and tore it up and threw it away. What? I did. What? <laughs> So you were arguing with your father, so you took it out of Phil Mickelson's letter? I did. I don't know why. Time. I was just a 14, 15-year-old goofball. And was that one that's... of your tantrums, I'm never playing golf again type of thing? Yeah, exactly. It I was one you. of those. Nice. So I said, screw Phil Mickelson. And, and now you just break clubs across your knee, so it has evolved a little bit. Do I? You can't no. get his knee that high. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my Phil story. But I, he's grown on me ever since the match. Mm-hmm. Not that the match was anything special. Um, but he he may be the type of person he portrays. I've heard otherwise that he's not really that person that he portrays to the fans. But well, what a person really is in life, whether they do it or not. But every story I've heard about Phil is, you know, he does sign the autographs, mm-hmm. he does say hello, he does acknowledge. Um, and I've certainly heard enough stories about other players that mm-hmm. you know don't go through that and refuse or. Yeah. You know, only do what's what's necessary or mandatory of them. So I, th- I think part of that too is also being an elder statesman. The point of the way his career has gone mm-hmm. um, early on, big hope didn't really fulfill it. Had a real battle with the fans for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually he did win them over. When obviously when he first won his green jacket, but I think even before that, people turned from jeering him to trying to spur him on to get that. And I think also when, you, when you've achieved as much success as <coughs> Phil has in a sport like it is, both professionally and personally, how could you not be happy? And how could you not want to at least give a little something back? You don't have to spend all of your days and nights uh, doing it, but just be a good person and just be nice to people. They're right. trying to support you. Yeah, and no, um, like I said, he's, he's started to grow on me a little bit. And think about this. This just came to mind about the stars aligning for Phil. What is he, 45? Something like that, yeah. Getting that U.S. Open, and he wins at Pebble. We were just talking about being a unique situation with it twice on the schedule, one being the U.S. Open. I mean, where does him winning by three, two, four, whatever happens in in a few minutes here, how far does that go for setting him up for something special at the U.S. Open? I you think, think it, it has any effect? I think it definitely gives him a, a confidence going into the open, but mm-hmm. I, obviously those other thoughts of I still don't have one are going to creep in as well. So it's it's going to be a pretty tough personal and mental battle no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing for Phil is what he takes out of this tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> did he figure a few things out? As we know, obviously Phil's his own worst enemy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to scramble, I think, gives him a, a distorted confidence to try things or be more risk-taking mm-hmm. or throw caution to the wind because uh, he feels he can get out of trouble. Um, it's not recommended to most golfers to play that way. 
it seemed to work to him to some degree. But I think what characterized his play of this weekend was how in control he was. Mm-hmm. And if he was missing fairways, it wasn't the wild, crazy fairways. It was just in a rough. Now, again, that will bite you in the U.S. Open. Oh, but yeah. He was. You didn't see any shots of Phil hitting it from the patio or you know, hitting one <laughs> off the beach or anything like that. Uh, which you have seen in the past from him. So maybe he's learned something in that sense of keep it in play, keep it in front of him, play a little more in control, and that's what it takes in the open. I don't know. He's pretty good at heading it off the patio. Did you see Tony Roma hitting off the patio? Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. Yep. Apparently it's not that tough a shot. Right? Well, Tony Roma was pretty good <laughs> at golf, too. Good, I know. Did I see something with speed well, hitting from the beach? Did you see where he beach? stuck it? That was even more amazing. Yeah. Just getting out it out. Did, did I see a clip <clears> of <throat> speed hitting from the beach on... 18. I saw Sneedeker there the other day. Yeah. He actually had it over the ocean wall yeah. where he was. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of a side 45-degree angle kind of where he was hitting it. Um, it was like that scene in uh, what's the one, Legend of Bagger Vance with uh, Walter Hagen hitting from mm-hmm. from the ocean side. The yeah. Uh, another topic that just popped in my man or my mind, my man. Your man mind? My man mind. <laughs> Sergio Garcia. Oh, <laughs> well, Sergio, these days. Can we just touch one more on, on U.S. Open before we go yeah, over yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing too is you you did see. I think first off, if you get to analyze yesterday's win, you always have to compare it to the field that he played with, um, who was there. There were some of the big name players. Obviously, it wasn't the stacked U.S. Open field. Uh, talk of Dustin Johnson didn't really play that great. He was in uh, Middle East the week before, uh, so there may have been some jet lag, things like that. The one guy that I saw. Um, and I think I predicted him in one of, one of our earlier podcasts was Jason Day. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he really looks like it's coming together for him, and we know how tough he can be when he's got it on. Um, so I think that's where we'll have to look at, too, is some of the other players yesterday, not only Phil, but some of the other players, kind of the momentum they may be building. Once Jason Day builds the momentum and gets that confidence, he doesn't relinquish. Yeah, yeah. And he did go through some personal things, good things in his life, and I think that's kind of after he had his brief peak. Yeah. But, you know, so now it's kind of turning around some good, some bad things, but maybe now he's kind of got himself refocused and all. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> as we're watching the clip of Tony Romo, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it after Ricky won last week, I don't know if you guys caught his, his press conference, but I had made note of this on the podcast I did last Friday that he he's a young man that really has things in perspective, and I think sometimes – that helps players. Sure. Like like you were just saying, with they having mm-hmm. something significant, good or bad, happen in their life, it really puts things in perspective of the game's not the end-all, be-all mm-hmm. from them. And, uh, well, Jordan, and also, Jordan Speed's another example. And, and I also think it, dis- and, it distracts the attention a little bit yeah. away yeah. from the game, and then you kind of do that, right? This is now built, set up, whatever, dealt with, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Now it's back to, I can't, I still got to work hard to be successful in my profession. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But but I think it takes <clears throat> some pressure off. Sure. Like, like what, what Ricky had mentioned was, you know, he's thinking about Jared Lyle that week and, mm-hmm. and how they put Jared's bag and a plaque. Correct. Yep. Up yep. And uh, he, he said he wears the, the duck pin on his hat mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, I guess he had had another friend, family friend, that had passed away a year earlier around the same time as, as the uh, – waste management and things like that uh, is is tragic as some of the situations circumstances around situations like that are I think again it, it it really helps in a game like this where it's 
so one way or the other mentally challenging for people? Well, you know, life is challenges and life is a journey, so, you know, you've really got to take one shot at a time. Thank you, Dr. Drew. All right, so let's move on. <laughs> oh, Gary. Gary Tilio is one of the greatest guests we've had in the last seven years. I'm reading the posters off the walls here at the River Room. So speaking of challenges, uh, Sergio, we'll go back to Sergio. Speaking of someone who hasn't dealt so well with some of the challenges presented in his life. You know, I mean, he shows a lot of passion. He mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. He does. There are many things in life that are going to catch your eye. Um, but when that one thing does catch your heart, that's the thing you need to pursue. Yeah. And apparently Sergio decided to pursue beating up sand traps this weekend. I tried, I tried so hard to find clips somewhere of him tearing up the greens. Now, there's can, a picture. Can you guys just, maybe you guys know the answer to this or not? There were a few of the tour players that went and played in Saudi Arabia last week. I would imagine they're getting an appearance fee. Oh, and that's no the question. reason why they yeah, yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. So from that point of view, I don't understand Sergio's Of course not. Outrage. He, he was right. one of the ones, apparently, that had some kind of appearance fee. He, he would have to. Right. Why else would he do it? In this, I'm not saying why else would he do it, but, but it, right. it's something getting him. So, again, talking about perspective, hey, I'm getting an appearance fee. Just show up for four days and play. Enjoy it as much as you can. You're playing in Saudi Arabia. You're not playing on USGA, mm-hmm. um, PGA uh, restricted greens and groundskeepers and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So you've you've got to expect that you're not going to get the ideal playing. You're not playing in the ideal tour. Yeah, it's like going playing in Europe League and complaining that the gym is too small. <laughs> I just uh, one. I think this new rule, which I, apparently it's some new rule where the committee can basically toss somebody. I don't know why it's a new rule. It's probably something that you could have done always. There was, there was always a rule, if I think, if you were um, detrimental to the course or right. uh, you know stuff like that, again, you know, tearing up a green or something, there was a rule for a disqualification. I forget the exact wording on it. But for him to get the boot, you know, for, for basically a temper tantrum, I, don't, I can't recall that ever happening. Can I, you? I wonder if it affects his appearance fee, too. I would think so. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he could have just cost himself some money there also. But Not to what, the embarrassment. Wasn't it a great clip, though? I played it over and over. <laughs> I definitely watched it a few times. <laughs> well, it was one of those clips that they played it, and he kind of went, did that just happen? Or is yeah. that something for seven years ago that somebody pulled out of? And it's not like, I mean, with the, the whole bunker tantrum, it's not like it was a bad shot. No, but it was but obviously it was, a it was second shot. Did yeah. you see the full clip? Ooh. The full clip, he was in the back of the bunker on a downslope and a footprint, and he had stuck kept it in the bunker okay so you were seeing the second bunker shot so basically he was experiencing a weekend golfer for the average golfer of i'm stuck in a sand i'm stuck in a footprint i'm stuck in someone's ball mark that they didn't replace (laughs) i've got a a line of spike marks between my ball and the cup so he got a little taste of what what golf is for 98% of us i did learn something from that i'm gonna have to learn how to speak spanish curse words specifically because that sounded so cool <laughs> his tirade in Spanish I don't know exactly what he said but it, I think he said I'm very displeased with the conditions of these course <laughs> so, <yes>. senior <laughs> <laughs> oh Sergio and, uh, do you think that the masters committee you think the Masters Committee will have anything to say to Sergio? Well, it's interesting. We just talked about Phil getting mature and kind of finding his place and kind of up. 
How old is Sergio? Is it the early 40s, late 30s? Late 30s, I would say 38, something like that. uh, Obviously a very emotional player, spirited. But at what point do you kind of look at things and say, what am I doing here? And how many times can you see a clip of yourself and just be not be embarrassed by it or be embarrassed by it and say, I, I don't ever want to be portrayed that way ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, or I want to at least acknowledge that I'm going to get there. And, and He's 39. Down. Yeah, thank you for the fact check, Jordan. Yeah, but how can you know, a 39-year-old kid? Again, he's, he's acting like he did when he was 23 years old. Uh, does that ha- has that ever happened to you? Have you ever just gotten so frustrated on the golf course that I, mean, I have? I've gotten frustrated on the golf course, but I don't take it out on the golf course. I mean, I, I won't lie. Like Gary said, I may have broken a club over my knee a time or two. You can reach your knees. I can. Mm-hmm. And if not, that's what trees are for. I'd like to say on the record that I can reach my knee, and I have done it. <laughs> um, but I've never beat up the golf course. How many years ago was that? Uh, Gary? How many weeks ago was that? <laughs> so what you asked. Um, there was one instance where I was playing in my hometown course, and again, it was when I was younger, and there were times I'd flip a club or bang my club against my golf bag and stuff, and I was on the second hole, which the first hole goes out, second hole comes right back to the front, of the, right by the pro shop, right where people are walking in, the green is right there, and I missed the putt, came up very short, and I just went to sweep the putt away, and ripped probably about a four to five inch gash mm. on the green about a foot from the hole. And all my friends just kind of went, oops, and ran away. <laughs> and I just kind of waved to the pro shop. Not that I was particularly watching, but I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I fixed it the best I could. Uh, walked in after my round. I mentioned it to the guys because it was my home course. But from that point forward, I've never, ever swung, thrown, or done anything like that ever again. Because I won't. The embarrassment of it. It's right. like, what are, we, what are you doing? So let's hope that, that Sergio won't. Because, he, again, he was another guy that had grown on me over the last couple of years. Well, we've seen him beat his club into the ground before. Oh, it's, we've, we've seen him. When he, his rookie year, there's there's footage of him taking his shoe off and throwing it. It's not just him, though. So <laughs> Rory tossed his club in the lake. Rory did toss his club in the lake. I can't they think of a it. guy, mm-hmm. other than the guy that was playing with Sergio in that clip, DJ. He was up on the green as he's throwing the fit, and DJ's just cool as can be, strolling back and forth on the green. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen him. When he had the, the blunder in the PGA Championship, he was very even keel. Yeah, I think there's some reasons behind that. Maybe I shouldn't get into a public podcast, but uh, he seems like a guy that's pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. Um, he seems like a pretty would take a whole lot to face him. Probably a whole lot, not a lot sticks to him. Let's uh, let's move on to our our part of the show where we're giving a tip or we're talking about the well, game a little bit. Okay. I want to want to talk about mastering the stroke. Uh, I had a student this morning. Do I get points? Are we getting points every time we <laughs> mention something? Only like, if it's going to improve your game. Okay. So my new my new student. This was her second lesson this morning. We worked on on short game, just an evaluation. I gave her some tips and we were talking about putting and and the first thing I asked her was, how do you in comparison to your full swing, which for her is a fairly new golfer's how pretty old good. is this golfer? She's eleven. Okay. Uh, she's been playing a year and a half. She's goes to Circle Christian, plays on the girls team. Uh she's pretty good for playing for a year and a half, a lefty. Mm-hmm. And I said, How's your short game in compared to your your full swing? And she goes, Oh I'm it's pretty good. 
and, and so I so I have a couple questions for you guys. Do people have a false idea of how good their short game is? Because when we got on there, she had some good technique, just like she did with full swing, but we had to make some adjustments, uh, such as her eyes were too far back, and I had to get her eyes more over the ball and do some adjustments with her setup and. Talking about putting particularly yeah, or short yeah, game. With, with putting particularly mm -hmm. and and. I think that a lot of times students know what they're supposed to do, but for whatever reason, they they fail to put it into play. Do you find that is the case? Um, yeah, I mean... If they've had some instruction. If they've had some instruction, I've, I mean, obviously, oh, most kids are going to say, yeah, coach, I, I know what I'm doing, yeah. even if they don't, because they, they just don't want to hear us talk. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think that, yeah... A lot of kids, if they if they've played or if they've had lessons, they're gonna know if they have a good short game or not. Mm -hmm. um, I, let's use Jackson for example. Yeah. We know he's got a good short game, and he knows he's got a good short game. Mm -hmm. But we can go back to a couple of our other lessons in the past. Let's say Sarah. Mm -hmm. She might have said, "Yeah, I have a great putting, and still needed some work." Type deal. Mm -hmm. Just those little. It it all depends on the golfer, really. Well, they also think it depends on, on where their game is at. True. <coughs> it's going to be short, you know, talk about short game and, and bunker lessons. The first lesson of the bunker is get it out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so you get some golfers that think, hey, I get out of the bunker every time. My bunker play is good. Well, there's a difference between getting out of the bunker and putting it, you know, within three to four feet, being able mm -hmm. to make the putt. Same thing with the short game. Um, a lot of them think if they are not duffing it, if they're not sculling it across the green, if mm -hmm. they're actually chipping in and landing on the green and then they make their two putts, hey, I'm happy with that. Right. Versus that's okay, but if you're going to be good, we can you get up and down. you got to get up and down yeah, and, and save those parts. And to, to your point, Gary, on the other end of the spectrum, I think there's just a big disconnect on what is a good short game. Because you get some players, the amateur players, that are really good players, and they put – too much expectations on their short game. They feel like they need to get up and down every time. And you, you compare to stats on the PGA Tour, those guys aren't getting the best guy on tour. His up and down percentage is not what a good amateur player Would expects think, of right? themselves. So it's it's finding what the what the definition of good short game or good putting. Well, is. I think the difference there when you talk about that is the pro tour one they're going to have the ability to make birdies to make up for their bogeys. Right. Secondly, in most cases, if they are not in position to get up and down, it's not a matter of the hole is too long for them or they really blew an approach out. It's usually right. they're in trouble, right. they're chipping out, they're scrambling per se to save that bogey. Maybe it's a par mm -hmm. where you'll have uh, kind of the, the, your average golfer, for lack of a better word, you know, misses the green on a regular basis. Um, can't reach that long par four in two. So to them, you know, chipping it on and they think they need to save a par because they haven't done anything wrong. I've hit two good shots. Exactly. Yeah. I've chipped it on. I'm still making a bogey. What more do I need to do? Well, you hit okay shots. You didn't hit great shots. And I think with short game, that's the that's you, where the disconnect comes from. And if you can get your short game, you can save a lot of pars. Oh, well, yeah. You can't reach or you can't hit greens. I hate to do this, but like my dad, he he'll think that he has a great. <laughs> Nobody short listens game. to our show. You're okay. My dad doesn't you know technology, so he doesn't <laughs> listen. It's cool. 
he thinks he's got a great short game, but he is very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And have I tried to help in the past? Yes. Have I learned to stop trying to help? Yes, because he doesn't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just he's been playing a long time, and he's set in his ways. So going from adults and kids is completely different as well because adults, they get set in their ways, whereas right. a kid, they might be set in their ways at the beginning, but they're going to slowly see that as we're helping them. They're more open. They're getting a little more consistent now. Maybe, right. yeah, they were pretty good at hitting some good pitch shots and chip shots, but now they're really good at doing it on command. And it, it's just those little things, and it just really depends on where you are in your, your golf career. And I think the word where you're going to it is confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just, hey, do I have a good short game? Hey, can I get up that? It's no matter where that ball is, if it's a downhill lie, if it's a flop shot over a bunker, if it's a tight lie, if it's whatever it is, confidence, not, oh, look, I did it. It's, no, I'm going to get up and down, or I'm going to get and if I don't it's something else that was out of my control right um, and, and I think that's where you, if you want to talk about people with short games yeah a lot of us could put the ball on the fringe and chip it and knock it three to four or five feet from mm-hmm. the hole but hit it out of a thick rough hit it out of a tight lie hit a flop shot hit a bunker you need to be if you're going to have a good short game it has to be every shot yep it has to be every shot you have so that's your stuff. definition of a solid short game is you can any situation you find yourself in, you can feel confident about getting yourself up and down or getting your... Having the chance to do it, feeling you have confidence to do it. And there may be one of those shots in there, maybe a flop shot some people have trouble yeah. with, maybe that tight lie that you have to, you know, get it quickly up or whatever. But at least you've, you, you feel you have a chance at it. Because one of the things... And you're not scared by it. Well, one of the things I talk about with... Okay. Or it comes up, I don't talk about it, it comes up with... Brenton and see the lights go on when I speak. You hear that? (laughs) Brenton and Brandon, some of the kids, as we talk about the number of putts per nine holes or number of putts for eighteen, and we're always going for this magic number. It really is a. a, It can be a misnomer of, of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like to Gary's point, if you haven't hit one green, and you're chipping and getting up and down, well, that's good. But your putt numbers are down. So and, it throws things off. And that's what I always tell people when they talk about their putting, their putting, and I watch it. That your putting stroke is fine. You just need to chip the ball closer to the hole. Right. If you're trying to make 20, 25 footers all day long, you're going to have trouble making birdies. Right. If you can get a couple of them inside of 10 feet, that will may help your putting numbers. Or making a higher percentage of the ones that you, quote unquote, should make. The distances you should uh, make totally them. three three to four feet. You should yeah. make every one. Yeah. You shouldn't be missing them, theoretically. Uh, but if you, I always say that if you want to putt better, start chipping the ball closer to the hole. I was going to say it's you could your putting numbers could be inflated. Let's say you're having a great day hitting greens, but you're hitting the, the edge of the greens, yeah. make, giving right. yourself longer putts. Correct. So that's going to that's going to add depending on the size of the greens where well. you're playing all that. Uh, we used to keep our stats at the academy. And I had great um, fairways, fairways hit stats, great fairway hit stats. I hit the ball 210 yards. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very far. It was on the beginning of the fairway, but it was in the fairway. <laughs> but it was a conflated stat. That's Brendan Elliott go, why are you looking at me smiling? <laughs> it was a conflated stat because, like, you know, that's not my issue. If you, you need to take those stats with other things. Fairways regulation compared to uh, fairways hit compared to greens in regulation. All right, so now that'll show you where you're not converting. 
greens hit to putting, greens relationships to putting, that'll then show you where is my proximity. Right. If my putting numbers are down and my greens and regulation numbers are down, I'm doing good. If my green regulations are off but my putting numbers are down, are, are down that means that I'm missing the green, chipping it, and then making that putt. So I got great putting numbers, but I'm bad approach yep. numbers. Uh, Jordan, any final thoughts before we sign off here? Um, well, I, I kind of liked this episode. I hope everybody else did too. I like that guy right over your shoulder. I should take a picture and post you that to you. Like he looks guy? like a Scottish nutcracker guy. Yeah. Why? Because he's wearing old stuff and you're old. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You like his outfit, don't you? I do like his outfit. Well, except maybe f- maybe Phil has finished this tournament by the time we've finished here. <laughs> Any final <laughs> thoughts? No, no, it's been a pleasure. Just uh, just keep passing the word, guys. We do this because we love the game of golf. Uh, obviously, you can hear the passion in our voices when we talk about it. So please pass the word. Tell your friends. Post it on your social media sites because we'd love to get some more uh, input back from folks. Hear more people listening, and obviously, we'll uh, take any suggestions for ideas in the future. Don't. Don't forget to reach out with any questions or anything yep. you may want to hear on the show. We'd love to uh, answer some questions or kind of invite anybody onto the show that may have some ideas. It would be loveofthelinks at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at Love of the Links, Instagram at Love of the Links. We, we should start giving L-O-V-E-O-F-T-H-E-L-I-N-K-S. some stuff away. L O V E O F T H E L I N K S dot com. That's right. Thank you. And <laughs> say it three times. You know what? We should start giving some stuff away. I, let's let's do our first giveaway. Someone that can email us and tell us the number of times in the modern era that a tournament has, or a course has hosted a tournament twice in one season, like the like Pebble Beach, like we talked about, has the AT and T and the U.S. Open. Somebody can email us. We'll give you a short par four box. We've partnered with Short Par Four and we've got multiple boxes to give away, so that might be a good prize. Um, that's it for today's and no episode. Google. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> Google. Off the top. I know we you can cheat and we won't know, but whatever. It's a it's a gentleman's game. Exactly. Sure you gotta is. you gotta please yourself. Alright folks, thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Baba boy. Thanks for listening to Level Link. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Level Links or email us at Level Links at Gmail dot com